Praise God. Praise God. I am so excited. God's word, I believe, for you today. It's a word for me as well. You know, you, you've already been through one. Isn't this good? Isn't this like candy? Oh, my goodness. I'm so excited. So let's turn to Exodus chapter 2. We're going to look at a verse of Scripture here, and then we're going to launch into what God has for us. The Scripture reads, Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. I'm going to read a couple other verses that follow that. Then the children of Israel groaned before, because of the bondage, and they cried out to God. After this king died over the process of time, now they begin to cry out to God, and God uh, uh, hears their cry, remembers the covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and he looks upon them and acknowledges them. But it took the process of time to when bringing them to where the king died before they begin to call out to God. And then they begin to, when they begin to call out to God, then God responds in a mighty way. I want to give your heart something to rejoice about this week, beginning right now. I want you to wake up your spirit, man, and say, you know what? This is going to be a great week. Go ahead and tell your neighbor right now. Go ahead and tell your neighbor, if you see the devil... Tell them for me, I'm still here. I'm still here. You go ahead and tell them. Say, if you see the devil this week, I don't plan to see him, but if you see the devil this week, you tell them that I'm still here, okay? After all the sickness I've been through, I'm still here. After all the hell I've been through, I'm still here. Everything that he sent against me, you let him know that he's not knocked me out. I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still serving the Lord. I'm still praising the Lord. I'm still worshiping God. Hallelujah. You know, you, I've been through a lot, but I'm still here. And I'm going to sing my praise, and I'm going to, I still got my faith, and I still got my shout. Uh, I don't know about you, but I just want to take a moment uh, and put my hands together and say, thank you, Lord, I'm still here. I don't know about you, but I want to stand to my feet uh, and say, thank you, Lord, I'm still here. I want to open my mouth, and I want to shout, hallelujah. I want to shout, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to act in such a way that you make every demon of hell nervous. You make the demons of hell nervous because you still here. You still got your praise. You still got your joy. You still got your shout. You still got your victory. You still standing with the Lord. Hallelujah. He may have knocked you down, but he didn't knock you out. Woo! Glory. Man, can't you feel God up in this place? I feel the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost. Woo, I don't think it's going to take long today. Somebody's going to get free. And when you get free, if you want to run around, you just go ahead and run. If you want to dance, you go ahead and dance. If you want to shout, we'll just take a shout break and we'll shout with you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, Father God, I pray that you would do a work in this service today that only you can get the credit for. Lord, there's some uh, stones that need to be rolled away. There's some things that were thought dead that are still alive that need to be released and come forth and be unwrapped to go into the destiny of that which you have. I pray for a miracle in the lives of your people this day. We pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen and amen. Now, it happened in the process of time the Bible says. Now, this word process 
is only used four or five times in the King James Version, the New King James Version, translated from this Hebrew phrase, katsyam, katsyam, and it means always translated every time in the process of time. One place in the Old Testament, it says it came to pass in the process of time. We just read that. Another place in the Scripture, it says it happened in the process of time. And it tells us that when dealing with process, that process has something to do with time. That there is a time element in the process that we have to go through in life. And the longer we live, and the longer we walk with God, the more important it is for us to learn the things that come through the process of time. I'm here to tell you there are very few things with God that we see happen instantaneously. There's usually a time period between what God says and the manifestation of it coming into your life. There is a time factor there. And that's why we see today the importance of this message that we must look at these six keys of process. The six keys of process. If you will hear this today, you will understand this today, and you will apply this to your life today, I promise you that you will go out of here stepping over the obstacles and into the fulfillment of the promises of God in your life because you'll have an understanding of what this process is all about. So I want us to look at these six keys to process. And the very first one that I want us to delve into today is that process has a way of making us better people. There is a thing that God has given to all of us that we must go through called process, and it involves time, and it makes us better people. It is the process that helps us discover who we were created by God to be. See, it takes some time to come into that. It takes time to learn the word of the king. You're not going to learn the word of God overnight. You're not going to learn it in Sunday school the first time that you hear it. Let me tell you what, it takes time. There is a process of time for us to learn the word of the king. That we learn the word, that we know we can trust the word, that we can stand on the word, we can declare the word, we can believe the word, and by faith we can walk in the way of the word and then receive the promise of the word. It takes time to learn the word of the king. And it also takes time to understand the mind of the king. The ways of God are not the ways of men. Let me say that again. The ways of God are not the ways of men. And if we limit ourselves to understanding life and dealing with life and making choices by the way we think, then we are limiting ourselves from the supernatural life God has for us. We need to learn the mind of the king. We need to learn the ways of our king. So it takes time through process for that to take place. And it also takes time for us to adopt the heart of the king. And once you've adopted the heart of the king, it is no longer what I want, 
It's what He wants. It's no longer what I desire. It's what He desires. And you're not discounting yourself in that because once you adopt the heart of the King, when you please Him, you get greater pleasure from that than not pleasing Him. It's much like a good marriage. In a good marriage, you get so much blessing when you are blessing your spouse. When you see your spouse blessed, it does more to bless you than if you were out here on your selfish uh, uh, path doing th something all for you. And there is this thing called process in this process of time that we learn the word of the king, we learn the mind of the king, and we adopt the heart of the king. It takes time for that. And as we move into kingdom advancement, we must know that there are two laws that we're always having to deal with. And when we understand the word of the king and the mind of the king and the heart of the king, it helps us deal with these laws that we must contend with. In this world, there are two laws that you must deal with. There is the law of the life in Christ. That's number one, the life in Christ. And then there is the law of sin and death. The law of sin and death is just like Jesus said in John 10 and 10, Satan has come but to kill, steal, and destroy. We have an enemy that is fighting against us. And through the law of sin and death, the sin nature we were born with has opened up a door where the enemy can come in and do things to us. But there is also a law of life in Christ. There's a life in Christ, Christ Christos, the anointing, and the anointing destroys the yoke and the anointing lifts the burden. The anointing properly places us back in the inheritance of our king, and one of the parts of the inheritance is the curse has been removed so that the blessing can come. Now we have authority through the life in Christ that we can resist the devil, and he has to flee that we can rebuke the devil, we can come against the workings of hell, of, of the law of, of sin and death, and we can, we can uh, supernaturally ride over that natural law and see the hand of God come in. When man says it cannot happen, God says it does happen. When man says it is impossible, God says I specialize in making that which is impossible possible. Hallelujah. So we learn this through the process of time. The second key to process is it makes us seek out the right environment. Jesus said in Matthew 13 and 24, he says, to understand my kingdom, you must see it like this. The kingdom of God is like this. A farmer sowed some seed. So he says, if you can understand farming, you can understand the seed, then you can understand my kingdom. He went as far to say, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to understand how the kingdom of God works. So it's very, very important. Now, one of the things about the kingdom is it starts with seed. Now, seed has a process called somalation. Now, somalation is probably not something you talked about over a cup of coffee with a friend this past week. I doubt you probably let the word somalation even come over your lips in the past unless you work in the, uh, 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 the uh, agricultural world or the medical world, it's seen there as well. But somalation is this process that God placed in the seed which regulates the germination and the growth of that seed. Now, if that seed finds itself 
in an inopportune environment, in an environment that is not right for its germination, its ABA levels rise, and this causes the production of a hormone that switches on genes which slows the prevention of germination. Now, all of this is done to protect and preserve the seed, the DNA it has. All of this process of slowing down the seed and pausing its germination is to prevent the DNA creation of the seed to be lost or destroyed. Now, you've got to see this. That if God says, this is how my kingdom works, and I'm showing you from a little tiny, let's look at a little corn seed or a, corn, a kernel of corn or a butter bean seed. Just look at a little seed, and he says, I put in it the DNA structure that if that seed finds itself in an environment that is not proper for it to germinate and produce in its timely manner, that this simulation will take place and it will cause these, this protein to be released that switches on a switch that says, slow things down, slow things down. Uh, we, thought, we thought it was time for planting. We thought spring was here. But no, there's a little longer winter than we were planning for. And all of that God does in that seed uh, to preserve the DNA and the manifest of the will of God's creative order for that seed. Now you and I come from seed. And God has within us, not only in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm, there is this process of simulation that take place that if, our, if we're not in the right environment, if we're not in the right environment, it stunts. It causes the simulation to take place where there is a stunting of growth. Because out of the right environment, if we were to, you might would say, flourish, we're not going to produce what we were created to produce. Because if you get the seed in the right environment, then that ABA level reduces, that proton, protein is deactivated, and it allows for germination, growth, maturation, fruit bearing, and multiplication. And you and I were created just like that seed. We were created by God to germinate. We were created to grow. We were created to mature. We were created to bear fruit. And we were created to multiply. We were created to make this world a better place because we were born here. But... If we're in the wrong environment, there's a process of simulation that takes place that slows everything down and hinders its production. I'm here to tell you we need to get a promise from God's Word and, and know that this is God's Word, but understand how the kingdom works. Even though this is a promise, this is a seed, there is this thing called a space of time that we need to hang on to until the manifestation of the promise is in our midst. This space of time is directly connected to our environment. So what I like to do when I get a promise of God, I want to make sure I keep that promise of God in the right environment so that I can have a speedily germination, I can have a speedily growth and maturation so that it can bear fruit and multiplication can take place. But we have to take the authority to make sure it's in the right environment. I know every one of us here this morning, if we would be honest with ourselves and with pastor here, we still have some dreams that we're holding on to that have not yet come to pass. 
I believe we still have some aspirations and I believe we have some promises that we've received from the Lord that have not yet come to pass. And we're just not willing to let them go. We're not willing to give up on them. Can somebody say amen? There's just something on the inside of us that, that says, I'm, I'm going to hold on to what God says. And I, I may not be even talking about it anymore, but you know what? I'm just not going to let it go. This is the promise of the Lord. This is his, what His Word has said, and I'm just not going to let it go. See, you don't have to have any evidence of what God is going to do in your life uh, if you understand that there's a process going on you're not driven by sight alone. Your faith is in the process of God. And you say, because my God is not dead, my faith is not dead, I'm not letting this promise of God die either. I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when. Anybody? Am I talking to anybody here? I don't know how it's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen. But, but I do know this, Pastor, with you preaching this morning, I know that there's a process of time. And in this journey, I'm going to see that the journey is as important as the destination. I'm not going to be focused on the destination alone, that if God's got a process of time and, and i got to get this in the right environment, I need to be involved in the journey as well as the destination. Hallelujah. There's just something about the journey. There's something about the terrain. There's something about the timing. There's something about the sea germination. There's something about me having to wait. Me having to endure and press on. Faith is not faith if there's not a substance of something you're hoping for. If it's all instantaneous, you get mushy mashed potatoes and, and watery macaroni and cheese and, and turkey that tastes like we don't know what it tastes like out of the microwave. Let me tell you what, there are some things that needs the process of time in order for it to really and truly be established as something beautiful. See, I thank God for Christian Embassy International Church. I thank God for the environment that we have helped establish here. Here we have an environment that if you need healing in your spirit, soul, or body, you've dealt with rejection or fear or sickness or disease or, or, or even need salvation, that there's an environment here where God is welcome, where God is moving, where God is healing, where God is restoring, where God is turning the impossible things of people's lives around, where there's testimony of those that, that should not be walking and talking today who are walking and talking, uh, and there are those that should have been buried years ago, but they're still alive. They did not die, but they're alive and they're declaring the works of the Lord. Do you hear what I'm saying? There's an environment that you have joined with me in creating. If somebody needs a healing, we're going to pray for them. We're going to stand with them. And if it doesn't happen overnight, we're not going to give up. And if it doesn't happen in a week, we're not going to say, well, it's not God's will. We know it's God's will to heal. We know we're not going to give up. We're going to keep fighting and keep fighting and keep fighting because of the environment that is in this house. I've used the illustration many times. If you take a lemon tree from Florida up to Rhode Island, even though the DNA of that lemon tree is good, there is no bacteria, there's no fungus, there's no problem with the root system. But because of that colder environment of that zone, it will not produce any lemon. It will probably die. But you take that same tree, same everything, and drive it, so many hours down to Florida and you will have more fruit than you or the birds and the ants can take care of because it's in the right environment. Process teaches us 
about getting things in the right environment so that things aren't slowed down, but we can speed them up. You get things in an environment of faith and you will begin to see the manifestation of the supernatural, miraculous hand of God like never before. You get things in the environment of praise and worship and you will see the Yashab moving in covenant act of God like you've never seen before. You get things in the environment of joy, unspeakable and full of glory and you'll see the strength of God being manifest for the joy of the Lord is our strength. I'm here to tell you, environment is so very important. And not just here at Christian Embassy, but in your temple, your body, and in your house, and in the places you spend most of your days of the week. Let me tell you what, we must see to it that the environment is correct. Then the third thing about process, this third key is process has a way of changing your value system. You learn to value, the, the things you value is not based on S-T-U-F-F. Do you hear me? You don't, you stop putting your value on stuff. I'm better than somebody else because I got some stuff. You don't put your value on where you live or what you live in or what you wear or what you drive. That does not determine your value to God. Process of time teaches you that. When we're young and unprocessed, we think if we got the right logo and we got the right label, and we got the right neighborhood, we're all that. But we find out that has no more to do with your value to God than if you chose to live out with the homeless and minister to them. Do you hear what I'm saying? When I run into someone who determines their value by where they live or by what they drive or, or they find their identity in the, in the label on the clothes that they wear, I just know I run into someone who has not yet been processed. They have not yet been processed. Because if you live long enough and you've been processed, you know that you can put expensive clothes on a fool and all you got is a fashionable fool. You know that. Somebody say process. See, when you go through the process, you begin to change the way you look at things. Come on now. It's people who have never been through anything that thinks what they have makes them something. See, it's not what you're driving, it's where you're going. Do you understand that? I would rather be going in the right direction on a horse and buggy than to be going 100 miles an hour in the wrong direction in a Porsche. Somebody say, I know what you're talking about. Let me tell you what, you got to get your eyes off of what you're driving and get your eyes on where you're going in the fulfillment of what God has for you. So process has a way of helping you deal with your value system. God doesn't care if you have a car. As long as the car doesn't have you. He didn't care if you have a house. He wants you to have a house. As long as the house doesn't have you. And if you get some clothes that's got a label on it, just go to Ross's. I shouldn't tell the secret. And you can get it a lot cheaper. Three or four dollars. My wife comes in and said, look, I got this here for four dollars. I said, where's the hole in it? She said, right here in the neck, in the arms. Just where they're supposed to be. <laughs> process helps you deal with your value system. And then process has a way of teaching you that quality is better than quantity. Quality is better than quantity. Process helps you know that it's better to have only three good friends than to be surrounded by a hundred fools. Process will teach you that. Process will teach you that it's better to have three friends you can count on when things are down 
than a hundred people who like you and give you the praying hand and give you the emoji of a smiley face who never take the time to really pray for you. It's just a little click and that's all it is. And you got a thousand of them and you think you all that. But there ain't no intercession of going up before the throne of God because of that little hand. But you may have three friends who said, you know, I'm going to pray for you. And they petition heaven for you. And God responds in a mighty way. See, process helps you know it's better to have one accurate word from God than to have to sort through ten false prophecies. How many of you got some false prophecies been given to you in your file? Oh, it was puffing you up and it was making you all this, but in your spirit you know this ain't God, this ain't God, this ain't God. But you hold on to them because you know it would be nice to have something like that. Let me tell you what, I want an accurate word from God. I want to, if I'm doing something wrong, I want God to show me and I want to make correction to the step that I'm taking. I don't want somebody to just puff wind up and keep me going in the wrong direction. I want the truth because it's the truth that'll set you free. I'd rather have something accurate and know who is on my side and put my foot on one solid rock than to have a bunch of nothing. Amen. Process has a way of teaching us quality is better than quantity. It's important to hear a quality word. It's important to be surrounded by quality people. It's important to make quality decisions. Your decisions will determine what environment you're in. Your decisions will determine uh, the, whether the plan of God comes to fruition in your life. Your decisions will determine whether your DNA and your, your calling of God comes to fruition. Let me tell you what, our decisions matter and they need to be quality. Then there's number five where process helps us with our priorities in the process of time that you'll learn there's just some things not worth fighting over you prioritize that it's just not worth fighting over you learn to save your energy to fight where it really matters see I've learned through the process of time that that I, I can't give my energy to things that don't count I can't waste all my rocks throwing them at little foxes because I know there's a giant coming I remember starting out the church many years, 26 years ago, and I just had this thing in my mind that, that you know, uh, I, I've got to fight all my battles. You know, I just got to. And I remember there was this one gentleman, we called him Brother Ken. He uh, lived, at, rented a room down at the beach, and that house was being sold in the winter, and he had no place to go and didn't have enough money to rent. That was just an inexpensive place, and he couldn't find anything comparable I was still single at the time and had the parsonage over here. The termites had eaten the floor joist out of it, so it was a trampoline, a tongue and groom floor, but, you know, it was a roof over our head. And I had one young guy there that was helping with the children's ministry, a regent student, and I was giving him a room so that he would help serve. And there was another gentleman that lived there that played the drums, and he worked at CBN. And, and, uh, and then there was this little office, but I gave it up, to bring Brother Ken in. Didn't charge him a thing, just brought him in, trying to help him out. But he had this thing where after every service, he wanted to debate with me over what I should have said or what I said that I shouldn't have said or whether I used the Greek word, pronounced it correctly or what. And we were in this little chapel and I would go through the foyer after every service to shake everybody's hand, trying to build this church, brand new here, getting folks coming in. And he would corner me 
And I couldn't say hi to the, to the visitors. I couldn't say hi to anybody because he's arguing over my syntax or he's arguing with me over uh, if I should have started with a prayer, ended with a prayer, or should have added this to my prayer. It was some, And I'm giving this, place, this guy a place to live. And I was not processed at the time, and I engaged. And folks walked away and they would see this little uh, arguing going on here and me trying to defend myself every service. And at that time we had a Sunday morning service, a Sunday evening service, and a Wednesday evening service. And he would catch me at every one of them to the place I said, I'm never going in the foyer again like I was going to run from him. But after a process of time, I said, you know what? Enough is enough. And it had been about a year. And I said, Brother Ken, I got him at the house. I said, Brother Ken, what you do with me can be reserved till we're here. I've asked you to do that before, but I'm telling you now, it will never happen over there at the church again. If you've got something to disagree with me, we'll do it over here. There are folks that I need to meet. There's folks I need to pray for. There's folks that I need to love on. And you can't, this is a work of the devil. And I am stopping it right now. And he looked at me and he said, uh, okay. And then that same week, he calls a daughter in Northern Virginia that I didn't even know he had. He was like, he had no family. That's why I took him in and he had no money. So that's why I wouldn't charge him anything. And now he calls a daughter. She comes and picks him up and says, dad, we've been wondering where you were at. And she moves him to Northern Virginia and I never saw him again. And I'm like, why did I wait a whole year? Why did I wait a whole year? Man, I'm telling you, process of time will teach you some things. I'm not going to fight with people over stuff that don't matter. I'm not going to deal with you over stuff that can't change your mind. I'm not going to fight with you and try to make you think right. I, I know I can't answer all of your questions and I can't afford to, to waste my anointing on folks who don't want to receive it. Come on now. I learned this in the process of time. I've learned this in the process of time. And then that brings us to the final key which the process of time teaches me that I am not God and teaches you that you're not God. You need to hear that. You say, well, I've never claimed to be God. You act like it. <laughs> oh, I've never, ever. No, I rebuke that thought. You act like it. He said, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. You not only violating that and carrying your cares, you're carrying the cares of other folks as well. You hear me? You need to understand you can't fix everything. Men, you're fixers, but hear it. You cannot fix everything. I remember in the early days, man, it, I learned a lot. I was so dumb. It was just it's unbelievable. I'm still on a learning curve here, but let me tell you what. Back then, it was really, really bad. We had a family in the church, and, um, and uh, she went in the hospital, and, and, uh, I, and they said, we need you up here at 10 o'clock. Um, going into surgery, we got to have you here to pray for me. So me thinking, I reckon I'm the Savior, you know, I didn't think that way, but I run up there uh, 9.30 uh, to have time to go in and pray uh, with this lady, and the nurses wouldn't let me go back. And I said, you don't understand. I'm her pastor, and she wants me. She's called for me. She needs me to pray. And the doctor came out, and he said, uh, uh, sir, I, uh, 
Can't your God hear prayers and answer prayers without you being present? He said, I think that's what I learned in church. And I said, uh, yeah, but she said she needed me to anoint her. She needed me. He says, well, our schedule was ahead of time, which is a miracle that must, usually doesn't happen in the hospital. And she's already got her happy juice. I forget what he called it. And so we've got her going to the operating room early. So you're not going to be able to go. And I remember feeling like such a failure. Man, I failed her. Lord, don't you let her die. Don't like, like God's like, you, come on now, get real. <laughs> then I get a call from her husband and he tells me, he says, Pastor, our hot water heater has broken and the, and the family room is flooded. Uh, there was their two-car garage they had converted into a family room and it is flooded. And I'm up here at the hospital. He says, oh, can you help us out? Can you go and fix it? So I said, yes, yes, I run. And, I, and, and he tells me where a key is hidden. And I go in their house and there's water flowing out the door. And I cut off the water and I run to Lowe's and I buy a hot water heater and I run back and I take that one out and, and I solder that one in. And then the water is everywhere, the carpet. So I go and rent. I think I'm Stanley the cleaner or whatever. And I go and rent the, the carpet cleaner and I'm sucking up water and the carpet smells so, oh, ew, it's so nasty. I, I pull it out into the, just tear it out. And then I go and buy carpet and put carpet. I laid a carpet down. I'm like, I'm just, you got it all fixed. And, and let me tell you what, oh my goodness, they go in from the hospital, they complain, they don't like the carpet, and they never come back to the church. And I'm like, what? It's like I, I had to save your complex. But through the process of time, don't you call me if your hot water heater's leaking. You call Brother Mark, he's a plumber. <laughs> no, 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 not today. You can't fix everything. See, some folks you'll never be able to fix because they're broke and they like it. You better hear that. They're dysfunctional and they like it. They're addicted to drama and they like it that way. It seems like they can't be happy unless they have something all stirred up. They can't be happy unless they got some bad news or, or some gossip or they're in the middle of some mess in their life. I know you don't know anyone like this. I don't know why I'm even bringing it up, but maybe I'm preaching to somebody today. Have you ever found yourself exhausted all the time because you're trying to fix folks who don't want to be fixed? I have found out that you can lose sleep over folks who are sleeping easy. I have found out that you can be fasting over folks who are having a pizza party. I have found out that you can be walking the floors and crying tears and, 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 and trying to get everything fixed for them and they at the movies laughing and eating popcorn. I have learned that you can give out money to folks and they out dining on Kobe beef prime rib and you're at home eating Dollar Tree mystery meat. See, through the process of time, I've learned this. I've been, I've been through enough process that I've learned that, you know what? Everyone needs to have their own process. I'm not God. I shouldn't be trying to keep them from their process because it's their very process that will help them know that they're in the wrong environment. They need to get in the right environment. They need to prioritize. That they need to update their value system. That they need to uh, uh, become a better person that God has created them through. And I'm keeping them from that because I'm denying them process. 
I'm telling you, I call it give folks the space of grace and say grace is allowing you space. You need to learn for yourself. You have, I'm telling you, you have to give people some room to grow through process. See, they're facing devils you can't resist. So they've got to learn how to resist them. They're facing mountains that you can't speak to because their mountain, that mountain responds to their voice and they need to speak to it. See, there are some things you just can't fix. You've got to let God and them work it out so where they depend on God to see the hand of God come through. See, there are some things you just can't deal with. You've got to let God deal with. Give them the grace and space to be processed and let God work. Trust God. He said in Romans 8 and 28, you know it very well. He said oh, he works all things. We know that, don't we? We know that, that he works all things together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. So it's in the process of time, this process for that the kingdom requires that makes us better people, that makes us seek out the right environment. I grew up in a cold, dead church. And that environment caused a simulation of, of what God's destiny in my life to be so thwarted and so uh, held back that I even sought to, to take my own life. And it was on that Earl's, uh, coming from Earl's on the Lanes Highway, 120 miles an hour, hitting that Johnson Swamp Bridge when the hand of God came through the roof and saved my life at 17 years old. And then two weeks later, we left that dead, dried up church because I told my mom, Mom, there's got to be more. There's got to be more. There's got to be more. And we went to a church that had a better environment where the Spirit of the Lord was not quenched. Uh, and in that first service, Jerry Cox preaches uh, Isaiah 41 and 10, the right hand of God, which is is mighty to save and I began to think wow that was a hand it was a right hand that was the hand of God and it was there on that altar I gave my life to Jesus and I've been serving him ever since because I got in the right environment I got in the right environment and I'm telling you we need to keep Christian embassy the right environment but if we're in the wrong environment out there in this world or we're in the wrong environment in our home we need to change it right now because it's never going to be germination and maturation and fruit bearing and multiplication until we get in the right environment. We must, we must, through the process, see the importance of these keys. Because if we're not careful and we resist the process, it will be lengthened, lengthened, and the enemy will try to take that time and break you. So I'm here to remind you this morning that while the process may knock you down, Please hear me. Don't allow it to break you. Don't allow it to keep you down. I'm speaking to somebody right now. If the process has knocked you down, hear the word of the Lord. Don't quit. Hear the Spirit of God speak to you right now. Do not quit. You're never a loser if you get back up. It's time to get up. It's time to arise. It's time to say, not this time, devil. It's time to say, greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. It's time to say, if you come against me, devil, one way, you got to flee a thousand because my God is on my side and I'm on his side. It's time to get up. Hallelujah. Make up your mind. You're not going to stay down. You may have been pushed on, but you're going to push back. You're going to push back. You tell devil, you put me through some hell, but it ain't going to break me. Because I know Proverbs 17, says, A merry heart doeth good, the heart good like a medicine, 
but a broken spirit dries the bones. You're not breaking me, devil. You're not breaking my spirit. I'm going to choose to laugh at you. I'm going to laugh at your tactics. I'm going to laugh at your lies. I'm going to laugh at that negative report. I'm going to laugh at that death sentence. I'm going to laugh. I'm going to laugh. Devil, you told me I'm going to die. I'm going to laugh at it because my Jesus said I'm going to live. Do you hear what I'm saying? you got to turn this thing around. you got to get the environment right. You're like, devil, no way. No way am I going to get all worried and go make my estate and say, oh, my goodness, uh, and say my goodbyes. No, it's time for me to say my hellos uh, because if God is in me and God is doing what he said he's going to do, I'm not going to die, but I'm going to live and declare the works of the Lord I'm gonna laugh at you devil hallelujah praise God don't give up in the process of time would you stand with me please hallelujah hallelujah mm, thank you Lord the Lord said declare and decree declare and decree if you'll receive this I want to de declare and decree the word of the Lord over you right now I declare and decree that somebody, please, please hear me, somebody, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying it's going to get your health back. It's going to get your health back. I want you to receive that if that's you. I declare and decree that somebody is going to get your wealth back. The devil stole it, but God said it's coming back sevenfold. I declare and decree that somebody is going to get their joy back. You've been living in defeat. You've been living... In discouragement you've been living in sadness but God said no I'm gonna turn your sorrow into dancing you're gonna get your victory back you're gonna get your victory back somebody here may not be feeling good but you realize the devil didn't break you and you have reason to give God praise because the devil's thrown everything he could at you he gave you his best shot and uppercut but you're still standing You've walked through the fire, but you have not been consumed. You've walked through the flood, and you have not drowned. You've walked through the attack, and you've even shed some blood. But you've made up your mind that hell can't have you. You've made up your mind that the devil's not going to get his way. That you've made up your mind that you're not going to die, but you're going to live in Christ. Hallelujah. And you're still standing. Can somebody give God a praise here today? Come on, can somebody praise Him? Come on, hallelujah. You just need to say it's a process thing. It's a timing thing. And you can't be weary in well-doing. For in due season you will reap if you faint not. Galatians 6 and 9, the Word of God says. Galatians 6 and 9, in Isaiah 59 and 19, when the enemy comes in like a flood, do you know what the Bible says? The Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard in the name of Jesus. Romans 8, 31, and what shall we say to these things? If God be for you, who can be against you? you got to say, I'm coming out of this process. Come on, declare it. I'm coming out of this process. It's just a timing thing. It's just a process thing. In the process of time, the evil king of Egypt died. And in the process of time, this evil thing is falling dead off of my life. This evil that's been fighting against me is coming down. This power that has been working against me is coming down. This evil that has stood up against me is coming down. It's getting ready to turn around. I said it's getting ready to turn around. A divine shift is about to take place. A divine transfer is about to happen. What the enemy meant for evil is going to get turned to good. Your mess is going to become your message. 
Your scars are going to be turned to stars for the glory of God. Don't give up. Don't give up. Never, never, never give up. Hallelujah. 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 I hear, the, I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, I'm going to settle it. God's saying, I'm going to settle it. The devil may have started it, but God says, I'm going to settle it. The devil may have meant it for evil, but God said, I'm going to settle it. Come on now, you may be in trouble today, but God says, I'm going to settle it. Somebody in trouble, God says, I'm going to settle it. Somebody in pain, God says, I'm going to settle it. Somebody suffering loss, God says, I'm going to settle it. I'm going to settle it. God said, the battle is not yours. Do you hear me? The battle is not yours. It's not yours. It's not yours. I hear the Spirit of the Lord saying it's time for you to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Hallelujah. I know I'm preaching to somebody. I'm preaching to somebody. You're going to get blessed in the middle of your mess. Don't blow it here. Now is not the time to throw in the towel. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes we get it all backwards. Help us, Lord, to turn it around. We want people leading praise who only live in daybreak. But if you want to find a true praiser, I heard the Spirit of the Lord say this, if you want to find a true praiser, you find somebody who is standing in the middle of their night, who is standing in the middle of a prison cell, who is standing in the middle of bondage, who is standing in the middle of being mistreated. That's where you'll find a true praiser, and that's where my Yasha presence comes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I preach somebody that will say, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. That's what Job said. Though you say, I may never get out of this, I'm still going to praise him. I'm going to praise him going down. It don't matter. I may be with no job, I'm going to praise him. I may have no friends, I'm going to praise him. I may have no home, I'm going to praise him. No husband, no wife, I'm going to praise him. No help, no support, aching in my body, down in my back, I'm still going to praise him. My leg all out of joint, I'm still going to praise him because he's worthy, he's worthy. And in the process of time, I'm coming up and I'm coming out because in the process of time, the Egyptian evil king died. The stranglehold of the enemy came loose, and I came up and out into victory. Hallelujah. Is there somebody here today would say, God, I need to get in the right environment. I pulled away from you, God. I've not been serving you. I'm not sold out to you. I've not been surrendered totally to you, but I need to right now. Won't you just lift your hand and say, Remember me in prayer, Pastor. Remember me right now. Pray for me right now. Pray for me right now. We got to get in the right environment. You got to get in the right environment. You got to get in the right environment. You got to come under the lordship of Jesus Christ. You got to you got to surrender all to him. You got to ask him to forgive you of your sins. That sin is try, is contagious and that sin it, it will destroy you. You got to get that sin cleansed and removed by the blood of the lamb of God. You need to repent. You need to repent. You need to tell God, "I'm sorry. I got out of your environment. I'm sorry. I've been doing this thing in my own way. I'm sorry. I've been violating your word. Forgive me, Lord." And if you'll repent and ask God to forgive you, I'm telling you he says Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
you got to get in the right environment. you got to get in the right environment. Are you born again? Are you close to the cross? At the cross, here's where the curse is removed and the blessing comes on you because of what Jesus has done at the cross. Are you at the foot of the cross? Are you surrendered to Jesus Christ? Have you repented of your sins? Have you asked Him to forgive you? Have you invited Him in? Jesus, Jesus, I need you to come and change the environment of my life. Just raise your hands. Call upon His name, Jesus. Jesus. Oh, Jesus, I surrender to your Lordship. You say, well, I did that 10 years ago. The question is, are you still surrendered? I like to do it every day. Jesus, I surrender to your Lordship. I want you to be the Lord of my life. I want to follow your instructions. I want to live for you. Cleanse me. Forgive me. Flood my soul with your presence and your anointing. I believe God's raised you from the dead and I want you living in me. And then Jesus says you need to ask the Father for the refilling of the Holy Spirit, for the fullness and the refilling. Some people say, I got filled with the Holy Spirit 10 years ago. Well, the Bible says you need to be refilled, constantly refilled. So like a river flowing in, flowing in. Holy Spirit, fill me. Father God, I pray you would fill me afresh and anew. Go ahead and ask him. Father God, fill me afresh and anew. And I give my spirit permission to communicate with you, Holy Spirit. Even though my mind doesn't understand your heavenly language, I give my spirit permission because I know spirit to spirit communication. You said you deposit the divine in me through that process. Quench not the Holy Spirit. Lord, I want my spirit talking to you and you, Holy Spirit, talking to me. Fill me afresh. Fill me anew. And tell God, you know, God, I understand the process. But the process was to move me in the right position so that everything that you've deposited in me can manifest. So, Lord God, no more delay. I'm not fighting against you, I'm not murmuring, complaining in the wilderness stepping into the promised land I'm stepping into by faith everything you have promised is yes and amen in Christ Jesus I receive it I want to pray for you now Father in the name of Jesus bless these your people bless your sons and your daughters for those who were afar off and have drawn back to the environment of your presence and invited you back in and repented Lord God I thank you I celebrate with them Lord God I celebrate the, 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 the great life of the disciple that we have in going forward into maturity and maturation, Lord God, of what you have. Lord, I pray your blessings upon them that you, Holy Spirit, would guide their footsteps as they even leave this house today. And for each and every one, Lord, as we step out into your promises and we step out into the plan that you have for us, that we would be resolute that we will not give up and we will not give in and we will not weary in well-doing because we know if we faint, if we don't faint, we're going to reap. We're going to reap. So, Lord God, I pray that you'd put fire, fire in the engine of their spiritual lives as we go into this week to live a supernatural week, to live a God-ordained and God-blessed week. I pray over each and every one in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And amen. Would you give God some praise?